You guys ready to get in the word? You look kind of serious this morning. Is it just that you're really hungry, didn't eat breakfast? And No, I'm, I think it's spiritual hunger, isn't it? Well, listen, we are in a series, and this is week two on vision, purpose, and, or actually, I'm sorry, it's week three, on vision, purpose, and faith. All of those are tied together. We do a lot of teaching about faith around here because that is how we please God. That is how we literally walk and live. And we need to talk more about vision because it's not what you can quote in the word that will get you over. It's what you see and speak that will get you over. You have to see. So anyway, let's, let's turn in our Bibles. Let's go to Proverbs. Hallelujah. Let's just jump right into it. Foundational scripture, Proverbs chapter 29 in verse 18. And we really are focusing on about the first half of that verse. I love the Amplified Classic because it brings out the, the Hebrew word vision. The Hebrew word vision literally means a revelation. We know from scripture, a revelation, that is when the Holy Spirit opens the word of God on the inside of you so you can see it. So Proverbs 29, 18 in the Amplified, it says, where there is not vision, and now it's going to give, in the Amplified version where you see brackets, it's going to give a parenthetical definition that's going to expand or amplify that Hebrew word vision. And I love what the way they say it. Where there is not vision or where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God. Where there is no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. And we said this Hebrew word perish, the biggest part of that word is the people let go. Right? What does faith do? Faith seizes hold of things in the unseen realm and through faith they god brings them into this realm but if you don't have a redemptive revelation you will let go of the promise of god this is so huge so many see this is one thing you've never met you've never met one person who has ever got in faith and stayed in faith where you did not see what they were believing for manifest in their life in the physical realm. You've never seen that. Now, you might have seen some people get in faith, but if you're not seeing the manifestation in their life, maybe they've got out of faith. Now, here is the big thing. Sometimes we play games, you know, and we think, oh my gosh, if I let go of something, I've got to go all the way back and pick it back up. No, 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 it's yours. Think of it like if you're driving down the road and you pull over and you unhook your trailer and then you keep driving, you don't have to go back home. If you're like, oh shoot, I shouldn't have done that, just go back and hook up the trailer because the trailer's yours. Healing is yours. Provision is yours. Peace is yours. Soundness of mind is yours. Safety is yours. All of this, God has already done it. The progression in the Old Testament, if you don't know this progression, you'll never understand the Old Testament. 
in the Old Testament, God said, listen, if you will do this, then I will do this. So God created literally like an umbrella of safety. He's like, if you will just do what I say, I have a legal right. I've entered covenant. I could protect you. I could bless you. I could do all these things. It's the way it worked. If you do this, then I will do this. And the whole Old Testament is a story about, man, God blesses them, and then when they're blessed, they forget about that. They start serving other gods. They start doing their own thing. They start suffering loss. They, they're taken into captivity. The minute they turn back to God, God brings them out, and, and he blesses them again, and then they do it again. One time years ago, I was reading the Bible. Just, I just was like taking hours and just reading through the Old Testament. And at one point, I remember I said, God, what is wrong with these people? I mean, are you kidding me? You tell them, don't do this or this will happen. And they do it. Just down on the inside of me, there's just this like inner knowing. Well, Tony, they're just a lot like you. Ouch. Except... We have the Holy Spirit in us, so we don't have to do that. So the, it's time for the church to get a vision of who God is so that we can walk in his righteousness and in his grace and that we can do this. This is the number one thing. You know, everybody says, man, the number one thing, problem in the church today is, gosh, you know, we don't. We look just like the world. We're just as messed up as the world. And no, no. This is the number one re problem in the church today. We have to stop beating ourselves up because people that get saved and they don't walk this thing out. Maybe they're not taught or whatever. Or they choose wrong. Doesn't it doesn't matter? They do this. Romans chapter seven. We kind of went through this in our in our series on renewing your mind that we just started on Wednesday night. The Romans chapter 7 lifestyle. It's a horrible lifestyle. I sin and then I repent and then I sin and then I repent and then I sin and then I repent and eventually I just give up. And you see so many people in the, in, in the church today, they just have given up. Why is that? Because they spent years beating themselves up. Or maybe they went to a church where the pastor beat them up. Listen, if I ever start beating you up, run. That's not God. Oh, come on, pastor. You know, you got to preach holiness. Yeah, we do. But if you don't preach righteousness, because holiness flows out of righteousness, right? I remember growing up in the denomination I grew up in, man, they would blast you. And they're like, you got to live holy and you got to stop sinning. And, and I'm this little kid and, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I, I, don't, I don't like, for me as a little kid, sinning was bad because I would have an appointment with a wooden spoon and my mom would light me up, man. And I'm like, yeah, God, I don't want to do this. I wish I would have been taught how to overcome it because I never, I never was taught I was righteous right? So we got to get back to the word because I'm telling you, sitting here today, God's not mad at you at all. 
to be honest with you, if you come up to me and say, no, no, pastor, you don't understand what I've done, I'll show you in scripture how it's impossible for him to be mad at you. Because he condemned all of your sin. In about A.D. 32, I don't think there's anybody here that was alive in A.D. 32, were you? No. There's nobody here under 2,000 years old. And all your sin was condemned in his body on the cross. All of it was. Isn't that good news? So we stop, we stop. See, you gotta, you gotta stop this inner turmoil. And this is why we're teaching on vision. Because without a redemptive revelation, without revelation from the word of God, you're gonna let go of stuff. You're gonna start putting up with stuff that you shouldn't be putting up with. You'll start doing things you shouldn't be doing that produces death in your life. And if you'll notice all the time, although it doesn't please God that you live like that, the reason why it doesn't please him is because he can't get anything over to you. He's very limited, right? But, oh, man, he'll just keep wooing you. He'll keep wooing you. And this is so important that you see this. So we said this, vision is a function of your spirit, man, just like seeing sight, physical sight, is a function of your eyes, Vision. You have to see it on the inside in order to see it on the outside. And vision, we said this, is the key to fulfilling your life's purpose. And God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for your life. And you're a person of purpose. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what the enemy has done. If you'll go all in with him, he'll, he'll walk you right into that. You're, he'll give you vision from his word to show you your purpose. And that will motivate you and excite you. It's wonderful. So then we said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, another foundational scripture, verse 18, Paul, talk, speaking to the church at Corinth, he says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but we do look at the things which are not seen. Well, how do you look at something you can't see? With vision. Right? And then he says, because the things, the reason why you don't look at things seen is because the things that are seen, they're temporal. That means, they're, that Greek word means they're subject to change. And the unseen will always change the seen. The unseen is greater. The spirit realm is greater than the physical realm. We know that because the physical realm was, the Bible says, was created from the spirit realm. Everything we see was created by things we can't see. But it goes on to say, but the things that you don't see, that you can't see, they are eternal or they are not subject to change. Here is the deal. The God of heaven said, I always give you the victory and I always cause you to triumph. He said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He said, I'll meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory, and it'll come to you through my son, Jesus. And then he tells us exactly how to lay hold of it. He gives us instruction. But these, these truths in the word of God, here's the truth. You and I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. We have been taken out of spiritual death, 
We've been taken out of sickness, disease, and pain. We've been taken out of poverty and lack and placed in the kingdom of God. Now here is the deal. There is, there is an enemy and he has been completely stripped of all power. But what he will do is he will try to deceive you He'll throw thoughts, he'll use the world system, he'll try to deceive you, he'll try to get you off your path, or he will just attack you illegally, and then he'll sit on your shoulder and go, wait a minute, I thought you'd been redeemed from sickness. What? There's sickness in your body, oh man. And it'll always point back to, see, God, what he says is just not true. But the reality of it, it is true right? Because here's the progression in the New Testament. You've got to get this. The New Testament is not, if you do this, then God will do this. This is the New Testament progression. When you get born again, the redemptive work of Jesus has literally provided everything for you, minute, second, one. So the moment you get born again, you are literally made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Wow. The power of sin is completely broken. It'll never have dominion over you again. That's the reality of what God did in you. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness, and he's blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It's all yours. So now, that's why the whole, all the epistles, the Pauline revelation is, is for the purpose of you gaining a vision, gaining revelation of who you have been made in Christ. Because now, if sickness attacks your body, New Testament believer is this. Now, do you have to walk in the word? In or yeah, absolutely. Because if you're, if you're choosing sin, which does not have dominion over you, that could hinder you from walking in these things. But it never hinders, you, it never hinders God from giving it to you. He has already given you healing. He's already given you provision. It's already yours. You own it. But now you have to possess it with your faith, which comes from hearing his word. So now, if I'm attacked in my finances, if I'm attacked in my body, I don't sit here, I'm not a Christian scientist, right? This used to be a Christian scientist. They built this building for us. And, and they built it in 1965. We didn't show up until the end of 2012, but whatever. You know, it's working out pretty good for us. It's a great first building, right? So here's the deal, though. So now, if I'm attacked... Faith never denies it. I'm not a Christian scientist. I don't, I don't walk around going, I'm not sick. No, you know, you, if, you, if you get sick, you kind of know it, don't you? But what you do is you don't sit here and beg God, oh God, will, will you please heal me? There's not one scripture in the Bible that says God will heal you. There's a ton of them that says God has already provided healing for you. Jesus himself bore your sickness. He carried your pain, right? He was made poor, where? On the cross, so that we through his poverty might be made rich, right? Galatians. The Bible says that he literally redeemed us and put the blessing of Abraham on us. So now, when I'm attacked, I am to stand and go, wait a minute... 
That's why we call symptoms lying symptoms. Because they're lying to you. A symptom in your body is literally lying to you, trying to get you to take sickness. And you have to stand when your body's hurting, when you're not feeling well. If you'll notice, the Holy Spirit will help you. And you start, you, you have a vision, wait a minute, this is not right. I'm a child of God. I've been redeemed from sickness and disease. I've been redeemed from poverty and lack. So then you speak to it. The Bible says all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth has been given to Jesus. And then he said, now you go in my name. And that's why even, even before he went to the cross, he told the ones that he sent out. He says, behold, I've given you delegated authority in my name to have absolute mastery over all the demonic powers and over all of Satan's ability and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's the word of God. It's never, it never changes. It's, it's, it's ultimate truth. So now I stand. I'm not trying to get God to do something. I receive and lay hold of what he's already given me through faith. And I stand and I command these other things to bow to the name of Jesus and leave my life. That's the difference. You have to understand that progression. So many people are praying for things that they, it's already theirs. Right? You know, you talk to people about prayer, and you say, yeah, there's nine different types of prayer outlined in the New Testament. And, and you need to pray effectively. Well, what's the most effective one of the nine? The one that you need at the time. And here's the cool thing. You don't have to figure all this out. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. He will literally... He'll get you ready for everything you're going to face. Do you know as you're standing right here or sitting right here today, he's been in every day of your life. He's eternal. He's outside of time. He knows everything the enemy's going to do. And the Bible says that if we'll equip ourselves with the armor of God, what that is is revelation knowledge of his word. We'll be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. Stand against that word in Ephesians 6 means to survey the battlefield. That means this is what the Holy Spirit will do. You're walking through life, and all of a sudden, on the inside, he will take you. And he'll take you to a higher place. For you military guys, you all know, you want the high place. And he'll, so that you could kind of, you'll go, oh yeah, here he comes. Now you might not, you might, it might not be, oh yeah, here he comes, but all of a sudden, there'll be scriptures going off in your heart that you're just, you're just, they're just life to you and you start meditating on them, speaking them. All of a sudden, you have this vision going on on the inside, a revelation of who God is in this area. And when that attack comes, you're ready. The Bible says that we're to stand against, against the enemy. That's the Greek word pros. We always stand face to face. He can't sneak up on you. Notice if you look at Ephesians 6, there's no armor for your back because you're never to be running from him. We stand against him. And if we'll humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the Lord, which is submitting to his word, we'll resist the devil and the Bible says he'll flee as in terror. 
Boy, all that wasn't in my notes. I hope that helps you just a little bit. That's the walk of faith. It's so important. God gave us his word to put vision inside of us. He wants you to see. As you're sitting here, I don't care if, I, I mean, this is where I was. I felt like I was the biggest mess in the world. But I could, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I feel like I know less now than I've ever known, but it's because he's gotten so much bigger in my life. But man, I've found out that I'm not a mess. And then he's, he's been able to come in progressively and turn everything right side up. And this is the way it is as you walk with the Lord. Every day getting stronger. Every day more able to lay hold of what he's given you. Every day more able to, to know and see everything as it really is. Oh, that's an attack of the enemy. That has no place in my life. First of all, I'll never fear anything. So right there, now you've really messed up the enemy because he, he can't work outside of fear. He has to work in an environment of fear. You know, when you start to talk about this virus thing that we've been putting up with, the guy driving in his car with two or three masks on, alone with the windows up, he is, he is more, he's closer to getting a virus and having it kill him. Right? And I know that sounds funny, but it's really not funny. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that's fear. Fear's crazy. Remember Jesus? He's asleep in the boat. He told him we're going to the other side. This storm comes up, the boat's full. They run back to him, and they didn't say, Jesus, save us. No, they were in fear. They said something stupid. Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Dude, he's sleeping. What does that have to do with him care? But when you get in fear, what, what will happen to a Christian that gets in fear? Jesus, don't you care? That's why it's in the Bible. It's always like that. And Satan will sit on your shoulder and go, yeah, no, he doesn't really care. I mean, he cares about some people, right? Or he actually cares about everybody, but, eh. You know, the predominant thing I used to teach on when I was steeped in worthlessness, I would teach anointed messages on how much God loves you, right? If anybody would ask my wife, so what did pastor teach on? Sometimes I would joke with her. I'm like, hey, hon, what did, so she's like, oh, yeah, it was really good. I go, yeah, what did I, what did I talk about? She'd look at me and smile and go, the love of God. That's the default setting, <laughs> right? If I don't really know, I, I've got a really good chance I'll hit it right by saying the love of God. But you know what I didn't realize when I was doing all that teaching on the love of God is I didn't realize because of a lie that the enemy had told me Without me even knowing it, I thought I was worthless. So in reality, I wanted everybody to know that God loved them. But my heart was, I know he loves everybody, but not me. Because it would have been better if I was never born. How, what, what a, that's just ridiculous. I found out from the Lord that that was planted in me when I was four and a half years old. 
worthless. When I was four and a half years old, I wouldn't have even known what that word is. The enemy doesn't play by the rules. But guess what? You and I, knowing our authority and knowing the word of God, can make him play by the rules in your life and in the life of your family. Amen? This is very, very important. You cannot possess more than what you see. So let's jump over to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. You guys doing okay this morning? We have fun around here. Genesis 11, 1. It says, And the whole earth was of one language and one, and of one speech. If you want to look at what this means in the Hebrew language literally, you, it would read this way. They all had the same language, and they all said the same thing. Why, why did the Holy Ghost fall on the day of Pentecost on the 120 in the upper room? It says they were all, they were all there in unity. They were all there for one, they were all in the unity of believing God for the Holy Spirit to fall. Right? We have trouble like that with that in the church today, especially in charismatic circles because we all have the Holy Spirit. So, brother, don't tell me what to do. I'm led by the Spirit of God. Right? And sometimes that'll mess things up because we come in and what we don't realize is we're self-centered, which means we're not all saying the same thing. So if you'll notice as we grow, like if you'll notice in our church, the hunger level in our church is growing. What is that looking like? More people are getting hungry. More people are coming in unity. That's unity. We're saying the same thing. It says in verse 2, And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. Now, we just read over this. Man, it was like in the early 80s, I was in this meeting, and they had this one guy, he was like one of the most for, foremost evolutionists on the planet, he was a professor at Oxford. He got born again, and now he, was a, he, was, he would travel around speaking how, how creation. This guy, in, he, he's looking at evolution, and it just ate his lunch because he's like, I'm teaching this, you know, and, and it, it doesn't work with scientific law. So he had a thought one day, well, I'm going to put scientific law to creation and see if it worked, and it did. I mean, in this, in, in this meeting, when he spoke, he literally proved how man was made out of dirt. That was way above my head, Right? But I learned enough in there to get in trouble in, in my secular college classes that I was, right, cultural anthropology class. I, I got kicked out of that a few times. But, um, but there were also some archaeologists, Christian archaeologists, and they were saying, we read over this, but it says they burnt, they made brick, and they burnt the brick thoroughly. Well, 
if you go all the way back to the time of this of Genesis 11, they said if you would burn what they would build as bricks, if you would burn them thoroughly, what they would do is crystallize. So this ancient people, it says here, and they had brick for stone, and slime they had for mortar, and they said, go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make and, and let us make us a name. What do you see some self-centeredness there? Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. They were making a city and a tower that would reach into heaven. Well, do you think they were trying to build a building tall enough to reach into space? No. This ancient people were actually building a crystalline transistor. We use crystal today. If you study around the world, do you know there's tribes in jungles that when we have gone and, and evangelized them, they'll have this big crystal, and they say their God appears to them in that crystal. So I think there's a lot more here than what we're reading, right? Now, what's, what's interesting is the European Union, their headquarters is in a building that was made as an exact replica of the Tower of Babel. Yikes. Are we living in the last days, right? Verse 5, Genesis eleven five, 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, look at this now, Behold, the people is one, and they all have one language. This Hebrew word language means they all have one unity of design and purpose. There's a unit, God's saying they're all in unity of design and purpose. They all have the same purpose. And it says here, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Boy, there's a lot there. Because they, were, they had a unity of purpose, because they were all saying the same thing, God's saying nothing can be restrained from them. This word restrained in the Hebrew language means nothing can be made inaccessible to them. In other words, everything's possible to these people. Nothing can be restrained from them, look at this, which they have imagined to do. In other words, God's saying, because they all have the same purpose, wow, nothing, they can do anything that they could imagine to do. Now you could come on Wednesday night if you want to learn more about this, but your mind, there's three arenas or levels in your mind. The first level of spiritual attack is in your thought life. It's a thought. Satan's throwing thoughts. You got to watch your self-talk because you could create your own thoughts. 
right? You grow up and you're told that you're nothing. And boy, that, that, that detrimental thought process is there. But then the second level of the function of your mind is what you think about, and, you, and you'll know if you're taking the thought, you take a thought if you speak it. It will grow into what's the second level is an imagination. Now all of a sudden, there is like a movie going on on the inside of you. You're seeing something on the inside of your mind and a, we, the Bible calls vain imaginations, you're seeing a way for you to live your life that's separate from what God says. There are people that live their life thinking as a Christian that I don't ever have to be planted in a church, I can just stay home. That's a vain imagination because God, we're a gathering faith, God does everything together. Satan loves it because you don't get very much alone right? If, you, if you're dealing with sickness and disease, you have to be watching what you're saying because people will talk about what's going on in their life because their body is hurting and the circumstances and this and that, and they talk about it and talk about it and talk about it, and pretty soon they have this imagination of themselves being sick, and the longer that goes, the deeper it goes. But Satan doesn't want you to stop there. This is what will happen. Satan will throw thoughts to try to get you to take a thought. Once you take the thought, he will start literally, he'll, he'll keep throwing the thought and get you, to, get you to keep going in this so that you build an imagination where now you're seeing yourself this way on the inside and then he'll cause the circumstances to keep going so that you, with your own mouth, build the third level, which is called a stronghold. And now, that's like a prison, and now it's really hard for people to get in, and it's, it, you can't get out. It's a prison. Thank God for the word of God. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the utter destruction of strongholds. You can reverse that with the word of God. Thank God. But I wanted you to see this. They had a vision, purpose, and nothing would be restrained in the same way when you get God's vision, which comes from his word for your life, it will hand you your purpose and nothing can stop it. You'll walk it out. You will walk it out. Vision influences the way that you conduct your whole life. What you see. So that's why God wants you to have his vision on the inside of you so that you see life through his eyes. He came to give you his life, Zoe life. What is eternal life? It's knowing him. What is Bible knowing? Is it intellectual? No. Is it quoting a verse? No. It's you know it, you know the word, you see it on the inside of you, so now you know him because you're experiencing him. And I'm telling you, oh, when a Christian experiences God, changes their life forever.
What burns in my heart as a pastor is that Christ would be formed in you. I mean, I found life. I ran around doing my own thing forever, never could seem to make anything work, and then all of a sudden, God got me right where I needed to be, and now I know him. And every moment of every day, I'm getting to know him more. And it propels and motivates your life. It literally causes you to never put up with anything of the enemy. It causes you to lay hold of things. And you become passionate about his church. You become passionate about winning the lost. Right? You don't care. I mean, you might hate a mask, but you'll put a mask on. You'll put an asthmat suit on to go win somebody for Christ. Right? You'll do whatever. Paul said, I become all things to all men that I may win some. I just, I can't keep this to myself. It's so good. For me as a pastor, man, there's this part of me, I just want to see Christians just get to know God. Right? Vision is the way you conduct your whole life. So our vision here. The statement that God gave me years ago was reaching people, changing lives. What does that mean? That we help people find their lives in Christ, getting born again. But then we equip them with the word of God so that they can grow up into the men and women of God. This vision of reaching people, changing life, lives, it controls everything we do here. Your vision and your purpose should, should propel you. Everything in your life should speak of it. If you were to invite yourself into my personal life and you saw the way I personally live, you would realize, oh my gosh, he doesn't have a church way he lives at church and another way he lives at home. No, no, he's the same right? It's, it's just, that's just, when you, when you walk with God, you just, it brings a genuineness in your life because you're not trying to become something, right? I mean, what, what can you become that's greater than I'm a child of God? There is nothing greater than that because in that is everything. Faith Family Church is a place where you can come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Faith Family Church is a place where you can grow and develop spiritual maturity so that you're equipped to walk out God's plan and purpose for your life. This is big. This is another thing that the Lord told me years ago, that Faith Family Church will always be a place of repair, a place of restoration, a place of healing. Faith Family Church is a place where you can learn how to walk in the love of God, where you can learn how to walk by the faith of God, where you can learn how to walk in the very strength of God, where you can learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. God wants that for all of us, right? And this is why in Psalm 92, I guess this almost sounds like a commercial for church, but I'm a big believer in the local church. 
that God wants you planted in a local church. It might be this one, it might be another one. But wherever God plants you, you'll grow and you'll develop. It's so important. There's not one example, one example in the Bible. I mean, the whole Old Testament is types and shadows, but there's not one example of any believer going in and obtaining their inheritance alone. They all went in with their company. We get everything together, guys. God's purpose for your life, he will never give you a purpose that's only for you and only something you'll do by yourself. Nope, nope, it's got to be tied to a greater purpose. I mean, I don't care if God births you and you go out and you have this worldwide ministry. Talk to me about worldwide ministry ministers. The ones that are solid, you know they have a pastor. Man, they might never go to the church, but they're in relationship with them. And the reason why they don't go to church is because they're going to churches all over the place ministering. Right? But they're, but they're planted. They have ministry gifts. We need the prophet. We need the apostle. We need the evangelist. We need the pastor, the teacher. We need these gifts working correctly. Right? So in Psalm 92, verse 12... You know, I haven't deviated at all. Do you know what's sad? This subject does not excite people in our, in our, in our local church environment because everybody, well, I just want to do my own thing. Don't tell me what to do. But that's all changing because revival, I believe, is here and an awakening is here and we need each other. You know, we talk about this. One of the things that, man, I'll just talk, I don't even know if I should say this, but I feel like I'm supposed to, so I will. So, we are living in a time we're dealing with this virus, right? Have you noticed right now, not only is there a virus, but there's also a flu going around that has a lot of symptoms that are very similar. So, what do you do as a Christian? Number one, I don't fear this. I never will fear this. And I'm going to start, but I'm going to start building a vision of Psalm 91 where no pestilence comes near my dwelling place. That I'm redeemed from this. So I feed myself spiritually and then I do what I need to do in the natural. Get, get proper sleep. Take some supplements. You know, do some of those things in the natural. But man, if I get up with symptoms... You know, I'm not, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to go to work and infect people or whatever. No, and, and I hate this because if you're sick, this is the place you want to be. But if you have a virus that's very, can be communicated to other people, stay home, watch online, but do this. Contact your church contact people have them stand with you right man if you need hands laid on you we'll come and lay hands on you we'll we'll minister to you we'll do whatever don't be alone now if you if you get diabetes if you have arthritis back injury cancer that stuff is not passed so you need to be here right? You need to be here, hearing the word. If you're at home, you need to be hearing the word 24-7, all the time. 
Get a Heaven's Health Food CD. When you go to sleep, play the Word. Watch, just, you, you, if you're not feeling good, have you ever noticed, if you have a flu virus, you're probably not going to sit there and read through the Bible. But you could hear the Word. Feed yourself and speak. Lay on your bed. Lift your, you know you could lift your hands when you're on your bed? Father, I thank you that I'm healed. Father, I thank you. It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. And let the medicine of the word heal your body while you're out. Right? This has got to, we, we, we've got to get this right. So you need a vision, revelation knowledge from God's word on your place in the body, on your health, on your financial life, on your family and marriage, all these areas, the word will build a vision so that now you're walking out God's plan for your life. This is why it says in 92, Psalm 92, 12, it says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted. Now this word planted, notice, you know, I think I said this the other night, but you don't, you're not going to drive home today seeing a tree walking down the street deciding they're going to go plant themselves somewhere. No, no, they're planted by somebody. Well, who plants us? God does. If you would have told me I'd be pastoring. I mean, I grew up in Chicago. I grew up in Illinois. I paid my dues. <laughs> you know, in Nebraska, did you notice? It's like freezing out there. But it's sunny. That's so cool. Because in, when you grow up in Chicago, it's cloudy. It's gray skies all the time, right? But I thought I was redeemed and went to Southern California because snow in California is awesome. I would, I would sit there in Southern California and look up on a mountain and go, oh, that's cool, that's snow, while I'm going to the beach. But if you had told me I'd be pastoring in Omaha, Nebraska, I'd be like, there's no, there's no possible way. There, there's no way. I, 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 everything in my heart loves California. Right up until one day, the first time I ever came to Omaha, I crossed over those Mormon bridges on the 680, and the presence of God filled our, house, filled our car. Makes me weep. I can't talk about it. And this became our home. Because God said, listen, this is where, this is where you're going to pioneer a church. You couldn't drag me to Southern California. Now, you could today for a few days, <laughs> but not to live. No, 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 no. Vision is so important. So God, so in other words, God planted me here, so you guys just got to put up with it. Because <laughs> I'm not going anywhere, right? It says, those that be planted, and this Hebrew word means to be planted and to be cultivated so the tree can grow. That's what God will do. In the house of the Lord shall flourish. This word flourish means they shall spring up, they shall grow up, and here's a big word, they shall break out and they shall break forth. Shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Right? So... So if you're a little bit older and you're not involved in your local church, ouch, right? They shall bring forth fruit in old age. It, 
if you're older and you're not leading people to Christ and discipling them and ministering to them, ouch. In other words, see, we talk, you know, I got all these guys that I know that they are talking about retirement. And I'm sitting here going, you have walked with God for so long in ministry, shame on you. No, no, no. We need you here. Now, you might not be doing some things you did, but there will be a transition. We need your wisdom. Do you know in our church, the younger generation needs the older generation? Do you know in our church, the older generation needs the younger generation? Right? Man, I love hanging around the younger generation because it's one of the things that keep me young. Because the reality of it is, guess what? We're all young on the inside. Right? It's the world system that'll try to make you old. How'd I get off on all that? They'll bring forth fruit in old age, and they shall be fat. Okay, the good news is it's not talking about fat, fat. It's talking about flourishing, a vibrant, full life that's dripping with the blessing of God. See, without vision, you have no values to guide your life. Many in the younger generations right now, they don't, they don't have a vision. God, well, and, and think about how crazy this is. You're 18 years old, you just graduate from high school, and now, guess what? You're going to go to college and pay a lot of money, so you have to kind of decide what you're going to do the rest of your life when you're 18 years old. Well, you don't really... Now, I'm not offending any younger, younger people, but you don't, you're going to change completely by the time you're 25. You're going to look at yourself at 18 and go, wow, I'm a completely different person. But yet you have to make decisions on what you're going to do the rest of your life. But I've got good news for you. God will give you vision. So that 18 years old, you'll know. You'll know this is what I'm called to do, so this is what I'm going to study. This is what I'm going to pursue. It's not confusing. The path of the righteous is one of light. Without vision, you have no values to guide your life, which means you'll have no sense of direction. So parents, you've got to give your young people, your teenagers, give them a break. Speak life. Because they, they need to be put in an environment where vision could come from the Lord so that they know what they're supposed to do. Because we don't want them with no sense of direction. Right? In other words, when you have no sense of direction, no vision, then all of your activity really has no meaning. This is why you have people that live their whole existence playing video games. They, they don't have a vision. Everything, all, this is, I just want to know God. That is the passion of my life. I want to know God and help Christ be formed in others that come around me. Activity will have no meaning. Time will have no purpose. Resources will have no application. So even if you get this really nice thing, you won't really enjoy it because you're made to live with purpose and vision. Does this make sense to you guys? This really is a series on faith. Because God wants you to see what he has for you. 
when you're in the middle of something that doesn't look good, you need to see that is not my reality. I'm coming out. So Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 10. Proverbs chapter 4. I was supposed to get here about 40 minutes ago. But we're almost done. I just want to read a couple things to you guys. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Hear, O son, O my son, and receive my sayings. This word receive means continue, take, and use my sayings. What are his sayings? Those are his words. And the years of your life shall be many. So being a doer of the word will lengthen your life. In other words, you need a vision to live a long time. Because God wants you to not just live long, but he wants you to live strong. Satan will constantly try to develop a destructive vision in you. He wants to produce fear. He wants to produce depression. He wants to produce sadness in you. God is always trying to build his vision into you so that you know you have a hope and a future. Proverbs 4.18. If you jump down, it says, we'll kind of jump down a little bit. But the path of the just, you know, we've been talking about wisdom with the men, so I've read some of these scriptures to them. You know God has a path for you. He wants you to not just, not just know that you have a path, he wants you to see your path. When you have a vision of who you are, you'll look at your kids completely different. You'll look at your wife different. You'll look at your husband different. No matter what situation you're in, you'll know, you'll be excited because you know you have a future. But the path of the just, that's, that word just means the righteous, is as a shining light that shines more and more. In other words, the path of the righteous is increasing and it's light. It shines more and more. What is he talking about? Revelation knowledge. Where does light come from? It comes out of the word. The path of the righteous. The righteous man or woman walks in the word and it keeps getting brighter and brighter. Look at this. Unto the perfect day. What is the perfect day? Well, it's sitting on a beach in Koolina with my AirPods in looking at the ocean, taking notes, taking a break from that and walking into the water and praying, spending time with my wife. I mean, we, you know, getting up, we go to Longies for breakfast and we go for a walk together. Then we talk about the word all day together. We, that, no, no, no. That's good. Boy, that's really good. As a matter of fact, wow, I need to kind of get back, you know. But the perfect day, that word perfect means a day that is set up for you. A day that is made firm and established for you. A perfect day is when you walk in the Zoe life of God that he has prepared for you. And that revelation knowledge will propel you on this path. I could tell you this, we need to teach on this because there's greatness in so many of you there's greatness in all of you, but I'm telling you, there's great things that God has for you that you have not seen yet. 
More light equals the more that you will see. Right? Doesn't Psalm 119 verse 130, the entrance or the opening of his word gives light. Psalm 119 verse 105, his word is what? A lamp to my feet and it lights my path. It's the word of God. This is so, so very important. Proverbs chapter 12. Now I'm closing. Proverbs 12, 28 says, in the way, this Hebrew word means in the path of righteousness is life. And in the pathway, this Hebrew word means in the pathway means in the journey. As you're walking down in the course of life that you're walking out your path, thereof there is no death. God's plan for you is no death, only life. Psalm 1611, this is really good news because it's one thing to know that God has a path, but here's the other good news, Psalm 1611, thou, God, will show me the path of life. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. But here's the thing about the path. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says this, he's quoting Isaiah 64, 4. Man, I've taught on this Tuesday, I mentioned this Saturday, I'm about to explode with this. Here's the problem with the path. You can't see it with your natural eye. You can't even imagine it on your own in your mind. It's too glorious. All of your paths, every one of them. Yeah, but you don't understand my past. No, 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 God knows. But if your past, you're a Christian. Your past never dictates your future. Yeah, but you know, we're living in the world and you know, you have a criminal record or if you, this or that. No, no, not with God. He makes all things new. No, because it's the God of heaven that's promoting you. So look at this. It says, but as it is written, I hath not seen, your ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into your heart. This is the Greek word cardia. It's talking about your mind. Neither has it entered into your mind the things which God has prepared for them that love him. It's amazing. But God, see, we can't stop there. It's like, great, this path is awesome, but you can't see it. Thanks, Pastor. We're so glad we got up today. No, no, verse 10. Look at what it says. But, wow. Remember what we said, but kind of negates everything it said before? So forget about the fact that you can't see it because that's not really true for you. Why? Because God has revealed them to us by his spirit. What did he reveal to us? His plan. His path. The Holy Spirit will reveal the path. How does he do that? He will cause vision to come to you. You'll, as you meditate in the word, God will give you his vision. He will give you and show you his path. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. If you're going to a church that doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit, run. 
well, I just don't believe in that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, great. See you later. Have a great life. I'll pray for you. You need it. Right? But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So I'm going to leave you with this scripture. This, is, this just is the, the cherry on top. Jesus, in, in John chapter 8, verse 12, look at what he said. Now this, anytime you say, you, you hear Jesus quoting and he says, I am, you need to highlight that in your Bible because this is one of the great I am statements by the great I am. This is not subject to change. This is yours because you're his. Jesus said, then spoke Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me, look at this, shall not walk in darkness. You don't ever have to walk in darkness again. Darkness, confusion. Gosh, I just don't know what to do. You don't ever have to walk in that again. Because he says, I'm the light of the world. Shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. See, who is Jesus? He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 of John chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It goes on to say in verse 31, 32, it says, Jesus said to those disciples that were following him, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Guys, God has nothing but freedom for you. He has a good future for you. And if you're sitting here today and you could fog a mirror, you have not messed it up. Everything in your life might be screaming at you, saying it's over, but it's not over. So make a decision. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to put his word first. And I'll walk in the light of life. Amen.